welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, United Bank, Mylin, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Coming to you from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, West Virginia, welcome to Positively West Virginia. Each week we talk with West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with people just like you in West Virginia and across the country. Our goal is to motivate and educate our listeners with these inspirational business stories. There are many positive things happening in West Virginia business that most people don't hear about, and we're trying to change that with this show so that people realize you don't have to leave West Virginia to find great career and business opportunities. They're right here in our state. All of our guests are people who are absolutely getting it done in business in West Virginia, and I'm convinced we can all learn a lot from their experiences and their stories. This week, we're going to learn more about Aaron Rote and his company, Short Short Story Brewing. Aaron, are you ready to get down to business? Yeah, Jim, let's do it. All right, man. I'm so glad to have you on the show to share your story this week. Aaron Rote is the co-owner of Short Story Brewing, located in Reevesville, West Virginia, in Marion County. They're a a craft brewery uh, doing it right here in West Virginia. I invited Aaron on the show today to talk about his company, to share his story, and to give our audience some valuable insight into his business in West Virginia. Aaron, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that very brief intro that I gave, and give us a little behind-the-curtain look into your company. Great. Well, uh, Short Story Brewing is, uh, we're a 60-barrel brewing company uh, located in Riesville, as you said. Uh, we're the 25th brewery in West Virginia, I believe, and mm. that number is growing all of the time. Um, we are currently celebrating our two-year anniversary, so... Um, all in all, we're starting to think of ourselves not as necessarily a new business, but as a business. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We're at like that interesting transition point where, you know, we're pretty sure that we're going to be around for a while. And now it's all about trying to just slowly grow the business and uh, try new things and grow our market. And um, we're, We've been really happy with the success of the brewery so far uh, because of our size of our brewery. We do. Uh, we distribute our beer all over the state. Most of our beer is in the north central West Virginia area, but we also uh, distribute our beers down to Charleston and Huntington and Fayetteville and anyone who's mm. interested in any, any place where there's really a good, a good growing craft beer scene. And we also operate a small tap room restaurant right in our hometown of Reesville. Oh, that's awesome. So when you talk about 60 barrels, I mean, how much beer is that? I mean, what what does that equate to in terms of like oh, gallons? or barrels. Give us, yeah, give uh, us some scale. I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to mess this number up. I think there's something around 400 gallons in a barrel. So wow. you're talking about 2,400 gallons of beer. So that makes us, that sounds like a lot, but um, we're probably still what you'd call like a small, small, medium-sized brewery. Okay, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you talk about the fact that you're the 25th brewery in West Virginia, and it seems like there's a craft beer movement uh, that's underway in West Virginia over the past several years. And can you kind of talk a little bit about how you guys got started in this line of work? Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of think of us as we're, we're part of the second wave of uh, West Virginia breweries. You know, five mm. or six years ago, you really only had four or five mm-hmm. breweries in the state. Yeah. And you started, you started to see a few smaller breweries kind of dip their toe in the market. 
But what happened is the laws changed in West Virginia that made it a lot easier for small breweries to get in the game. The the ABV limit was changed from, I think it was like 5%, and it changed to 12, mm-hmm. which if you know anything about craft beer, most most craft beers are kind of in that in that range of 5 to 12%. And you, you have mostly like domestics or lower calorie beers below that threshold. So, right. But what that really allowed for, is a lot, uh, just a lot of more breweries to get in the game. And so now, like I said, you know, within four or five years, you went from five breweries to we're the 25th. And we just kind of saw in our local market that there might have been just in our area uh, room for, for a new brewery. And we thought we could bring something to our small hometown, but also just knowing that we were located between Bridgeport and Fairmont and Morgantown especially, that there would be a demand for our product. And it just seemed like the right time to, um, to kind of get into this industry. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your, your 30-second pitch for short story, short story brewing. In other words, what is it you tell people that you do? Uh, what is it that we do? Um, um, I think my 30 second pitch is that short story is a, um, small family owned business that, uh, that really appreciates the art of craft beer making, um, across the spectrum of beer styles. But we also sort of see ourselves as a, um, as a part of a, a central part of our community. So our, our tap house really is, I mean, it's owned by me and my sister, Abigail, and my brother-in-law, Mike, but it's really also kind of owned by our community. Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of really important to our business model that like the town of Reesville and the surrounding area kind of sees us not just as a place to come and drink really great craft beer, but it's a great place to come and meet with your, um, meet with your art group or to come and see live music or you know, we even have our local um our our local government in reeseville the town council they'll meet here and have meetings and invite people to come and speak and we just oh, i i personally really like that that element of yeah, it you know yeah that's very cool so is this your aaron is this your first entrepreneurial venture this is my first entrepreneurial adventure uh, adventure i think yeah the first the first uh check that was written to us for our first keg of beer was like i didn't i don't even think i even knew what to do with it <laughs> like i had to ask people like how do i even take money for beer like i i had never not even like on a personal level ever sold anything before i don't think i ever sold anything on ebay <laughs> yeah well how did you first start getting into like the craft beer business in other words did you did you start doing this as a hobby or talk a little bit about how you got into the beer sure business. i mean like a lot of small business, I think, I think it's almost like a hobby that got out of hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my brother-in-law is actually our head brewer, and he's been brewing beer for the last 10 or 11 years on a homebrew level, but kind of always, even though it was a hobby, kind of taking it very seriously and always kind of working on his craft and finding new ways to brew on a small system. And about three years ago, he and I were thinking about just, you know, building a kind of smaller brewery in his house that would be like a little bit bigger, but and a little more uh, involved. And instead of doing that, we kind of just turned our sights on, well, well why don't we, I mean, we kind of saw what was happening in the industry. We were like, well, why don't we at least investigate doing this on at least a little bit of a larger mm-hmm. scale? Yeah. Uh, and so then you take that kind of hobby and then you start talking to people, you go to every brewery in the state and talk to the owners and 
Um, you get lots of good advice, and then all of a sudden, you know, the snowball's rolling down the hill, and you're yeah. you're, you're you're kind of you're doing um, it. You're in a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So talk a little. You, you mentioned like the, the the whole spectrum of beer making and the whole you know the the flavor palettes and everything. Talk a little bit about your products. What are what are some of the the more popular varieties that you that you're putting out there? So some of our more popular varieties. Um, uh, one of our most popular varieties is Ready, Steady, Go. That's a Citra Pale Ale. It's a nice, kind of easy-drinking pale ale with a little bit of a, of a of a citrus flavor to it. So it's it's kind of accessible, but it's also to serious beer to craft beer drinkers. It kind of has the hops and the profile that a lot of a lot of people are looking for. Yeah. Uh, we've also recently um, we've brewed our first barrel-aged stout. We used barrels from Smooth Ambler down in um, Lewisburg. Yeah to uh, barrel age our first uh so that's our first barrel aging process project we've also uh just released our first two sour beers so we're kind of in some ways responding to how the market is changing a little bit you mm-hmm. know five or five or six years ago in west virginia because it was new you're kind of introducing people to to these styles and you know that you're, you're kind of trying to educate them but what you quickly learn is <laughs> uh they start to ask for you know the demand grows and they start to ask for certain styles that they're starting to see you that's know in the larger beer market so that's when you start to get into sours and um imperial stouts and all kinds of yeah. uh, interesting styles yeah very cool i love that collaboration too that you were just talking about with the barrel aging and and, and, and that kind of thing. I, I hear that a lot about West Virginia companies, and it seems like within, especially the uh, the beverage market as well as you know the arts community, there's a lot of collaboration that takes place. Oh, oh, absolutely. When we went down to, we drove down to Smooth Ambler, and we had never we had talked to them on over email really quickly about if they had some barrels available. Yeah. But then we got down there, and I mean, Smooth Ambler is a very large operation that's selling that's selling bourbon and craft spirits all over the country. And but they still operate as a homegrown West Virginia company. You know, they they most of their ingredients are supplied locally, and they're like like us. I think you know, kind of very much a part of their community. When they kind of figured out, you know, sometimes people go there and they want to buy barrels for furniture, and when they kind of realized that, like, no, we were going to be bare. <laughs> you know, aging, you know, that's not a, like actually using their product with our product, you know, yeah. like a, a really nice friendship formed oh, that's and cool. we continue to work with them. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really neat. Um, uh, that you guys can collaborate, you know, and work together. I think that's really super cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say, Aaron, is the thing that you're most excited about for short story brewing right now? You know, like, as I said, you know, I, I think we are starting to see ourselves as not just a new business, uh, but as one that can just kind of, um, now we are, I, I think when people think of craft beer in West Virginia, that we are definitely one of the names that people think about. So mm-hmm. our future goals that we're really excited about are just trying to get our beer into as many hands as possible, growing into some brand new markets. We just went to the Mountaineer Beer Festival in Wheeling, and, mm-hmm. you know, Wheeling, it's up there in the panhandle, and sometimes you forget about it, but when we were up there for that festival, I mean, there is a huge demand for craft beer in that area. And there's lots of new small businesses, lots of restaurants going in and lots of revitalization to that area. And that, you know, that only helps us as well. When you start to see new restaurants pop up in a, in a once depressed area, you know, that's, 
another place where we can go and you know grow our product as well so it's all it's all very much connected yeah so you know you mentioned the geographic market are you, are you allowed to sell outside of west virginia or what does that look like geographically we we do not currently sell outside the state it, it there's a there's a lot of loopholes you have to jump through some states uh it's easier than others maryland is very friendly to breweries from outside of the state um and then states like pennsylvania you know they, they there's a lot more hoops you have to jump through we haven't quite reach that mark yet where we would where we're ready to kind of jump outside this state we sort of we still see the uh, room for a lot of growth within the borders so maybe yeah. maybe someday down the road you know yep yep so 60 but, barrels is you you're crafting that per year is that correct no so 60 barrels is what we, we call that our capacity, capacity. so we have fermentation okay. space where we can actually put beer into a tank Mm -hmm. and let it ferment for a few weeks and that's kind of the number one limiting factor for your brewery because if if those tanks are all full um but we tend to brew uh at least once or twice a week and so once we transfer that beer into kegs and start to sell it then we Mm -hmm. can refill that fermenter with new beer so it's just a matter of how fast we can yeah so so you're two years in okay Uh, how many employees do you have Currently, we so we have the three owners, me and my sister Abigail and and Mike, right. um, and we also have our we've hired our first employee, Brett. He is our um, assistant brewer, so he's our first full time employee. Cool. And then we all, we have um, a good bit of part time employees just in our in our tap room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we use we have friends and family who will come and bartend maybe one night a week, and then we have our kitchen staff as well. So yeah. we, we have one full-time employee and probably about four or five part-time employees. That sounds great. Uh, so, Aaron, you know, one of the things that I always like to ask is, you know, you're in West Virginia. Now, did you grow up in West Virginia? I, I did. I grew up in Reesville. Okay. About five minutes from this brewery, <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. You, you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> a, a business owner, right? You know, you're doing business in West Virginia. What would you say is the best thing about doing that? What, what, what's the thing that you know gets you turned on about West being in West Virginia uh, as a business owner? Oh, I mean, I, I think the best thing about owning a business in West Virginia is is the, the people itself. Like, I think if you're opening a business in West Virginia, you have to kind of see yourself. As, as you know, you're a part of a, of a larger community. Mm-hmm. And at, like we, we, when we opened this brewery in Reesville, we, there wasn't a lot, a lot of people were asking, why are you opening a brewery in Reesville? There's only 700 people in the town. Like, right. why didn't you go to Morgantown? Mm-hmm. Or why didn't you go to California? Or something like that? Right. But what you quickly find is that there are a lot of people who are, they're not only hungry for craft beer, but they're just, they're hungry for something new. Yeah. And the people there's a lot a lot of people might talk down about the people of west virginia how they don't like new things or that they you know that that they're not interested in new products but that's just absolutely not Mm. true i mean we've there's people who just have walked in our door they're just curious about our product Mm -hmm. and now they're some of our most (laughs) critical (laughs) customers you know they want to try every beer and they they've got very refined palates now and you Mm. know but you know there just wasn't something being offered to them before and you know it's a two it's a two-way relationship but i just gotta think i love that yeah yeah i I gotta think that that's got to be such a rewarding thing you're you're doing this Oh, All that stuff you oh, just described in your hometown where you grew up, 700 people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the 
that's the best part. That's the most gratifying yeah. uh, part of this, really. That's so cool. Aaron, let me ask you this. You know, we, we talk, you know, you hear a lot of, um, a lot of talk in, in the beer world, you know, whether it's seeing it on, in a commercial from, an, you know, one of the big brands or whatever. They talk about the, it's about the water, it's about the ingredients. How do you guys make your beer? What, what kind of process do you use in terms of water and ingredients and that kind of thing? Uh, well, another good thing about being here in Reedsville is um, we have really great, a really great water source. Um, we've had our water tested, and you know it, it's a really good. Um, it's it's just a really good soft water they call it. Like so, all yeah. we really do is we filter the uh, like the the fluoride out of our water. It's a very simple process. Yeah. And um, uh, as for our other ingredients, you know, a lot of our right now there's a growing hop market in West Virginia where you're starting to see a lot of people grow hops locally, mm. and the the state's even throwing some support to that. I, I believe somewhere down in the southern part of the state, there's even a pelletizer where anyone can take their hops and have them dried out and, and pelletized for mm. sale. Yeah, and cool. I hope to see that market grow. But right now, for for the size of our operation, we do end up using a lot of um, hops and grains from from outside of the state from the pacific northwest or mm -hmm. the midwest and mm -hmm. but i think as our industry grows and there's more of demand coming from us for ingredients you'll start to see those those ancillary businesses grow as well where yeah. you'll see people growing the things that we need for our business that's awesome yeah i think that just opens up a whole other discussion about growing businesses here in the state right Oh, absolutely. Aaron, you know, one of the things I always like to ask people, too, is, you know, take us to that place of your worst business moment. Uh, oftentimes, I feel like, you know, uh, people love, you know, they love the, the, the positives of, of being, you know, at the top of the game and, and all this great stuff that comes with owning a business. But two years in, talk, take us to that place of that worst business moment you've had so far and just kind of tell us that story and maybe we can learn a little bit from from that experience. Oh man, that's a that's a good that's a good question. I, I think um, you know it, it, when you're when you're running a small business, there's just so many you're juggling so many <laughs> balls or spinning so many plates at one time. I guess one of the one of our w worst business moments, which was a good learning experience, is you know like a few months ago, um, the compressor went down on our chiller and basically left us. Uh, sitting ducks we had mm. beer in tanks that needed keg that we couldn't keg um mm. which means we couldn't get that beer into kegs to sell um plus you have this condenser which in, which is a like three or four thousand dollar piece of equipment even mm -hmm. though it's basically just a small little refrigerator sitting in a box mm -hmm. um so that was a rough moment because i think at that time i was out delivering beer in like charleston or huntington and mm -hmm. you start to think about that bill that's coming and you realize that like as I'm driving around selling beer in that area that like all that money is just going to go to pay for that, like broken piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at the, before that you're thinking, Oh man, we're going to, we're going to have a really good month this month, this month. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden like this additional, you know, line item is on your, <laughs> no doubt. Yep. Do. Yeah. And it can be, it can be disheartening, but ultimately you like learn from that. You, you know, things are going to break. Yeah. So what's your, and, what's your, uh, what's your one sentence takeaway from that experience? Um, well be, be prepared for anything, but mm -hmm. also try not to think of, I would say, try not to think of it the way I was where, you know, you're making a dollar, but, and you're thinking about the, the the thing you're going to have to sp spend that dollar on mm. you know 
kind of keep those maybe mindsets separate. You know, every business has expenses and every business brings in money. But um, if you start to like chase, you know, if you start to chase a dollar to make 10 cents, just to, (laughs) you know, uh, you you might, you're just going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great advice. Aaron, I want to take a second just to mention some of the uh, sponsors we have for Positively West Virginia, and they are the State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. It's the support we receive from these companies that allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia. Our guest, our guest today, uh, once again, is Aaron Rote. He's with Short Story Brewing. He's the co-owner there. Uh, they're based in Reevesville, West Virginia. Aaron, let's get back to it. Uh, what do you have as the vision, uh, you know, with you and your your co-owners? What's the vision for Short Story Brewing long term? Um, I think our our long term vision really is to you know we've grown to a size that we. Um, that works for us and works for the number of employees we have and works for our, our, where we are. And I think our short term vision is to really become more efficient, um, find, you know, better ways to do some certain processes, be it delivering kegs, which, you know, takes a lot of gas. And sometimes I just do it like almost like a pizza delivery guy where Mm -hmm. someone calls and wants beer and I deliver it, but there's probably more efficient ways to do that. Yeah. And, you know, we're at a place where we can start to think about, you know, the efficiencies of the business and how to maybe save a little bit of money or time or energy so Mm -hmm. that, you know, long term, you know, if we ever want to expand or open another tap room somewhere else that, you know, we'll 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 be completely prepared for that. You know, we'll have the systems in place for when we want to expand. You know, that's good. This, this, This definitely isn't like our test it's not our proof of concept this is definitely our business but yep. in terms of expansion we want to make sure that that we're that we that we can operate here before we grow yeah, you know i like that how do you attract new customers um how do we attract new customers we we have a really strong social media presence i think in the craft beer industry you have to have a really good connection direct connection to your customers because we are always releasing new products we're always having new events at 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 bars or restaurants mm-hmm. or with nonprofits or at festivals, and you know it, you, you're like it's almost weekly <laughs> where something new is going on with your business. So social media really is the best way to reach reach them, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. And let them know, have that kind of direct line of conversation with with your customers. So we try to grow those as much as possible. Um, also. Because, you know, it's everything's kind of connected, you know, just by, you know, expanding into a new market like something like Fayetteville or Huntington, you know, mm-hmm. just being there and, uh, you know, your product kind of is your best form of advertisement <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with craft beer. So having that beer on tap at places, you know, where a lo- there's going to be a, a large customer base is, is going to help you, is, mm-hmm. is going to be your best marketing. Yeah, absolutely. What's up? Uh... What's one of the biggest challenges you face right now? Can you repeat that question? What's, Sorry. What's one of the biggest challenges you face? The biggest challenge is really just managing week to week. You know, we have beer to sell and 
you know, we can control it. We, you can, there's sort of always an average of how much beer, you know, you can sell per week, but sometimes that number drops and sometimes it's, <laughs> it's up. You just mm-hmm. kind of never know. Like right now in Morgantown, you know, summers are typically pretty slow in Morgantown because all the students leave town, right. but it actually ended up being kind of a busy, busy summer. And so now we're at this point where students are back. I think they're back like right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're sort of wondering, you know, like what will the demand be mm-hmm. for the fall? Yeah. That's, um, that's so for yeah. us, you know, even though we're two years in, that's not necessarily enough data to really <laughs> to really see the pattern very quickly. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something you know, of course we, we we're, struggle we're, with. We're recording this uh, this episode uh, in the middle of August. Okay, right? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just probably within the last couple of days, I've noticed that in the stores they're bringing out their Oktoberfest and their pumpkin beers and and stuff like that, which kind of seems to me like it's a little crazy because it's you know 95 degrees outside. But oh, do, yeah. do you guys do varietals like that as well, seasonal? Um, yeah, so this, this so this year we are actually releasing our first Oktoberfest, um, and we're going to have an in in the town of Reesville. We're going to actually have an Oktoberfest, and we're oh, going to cool. have a five k race related to that to raise money for the the local middle school um, where my niece and nephew go, and where I went, and my sister graduated. Oh so, wow, that's um, so it's cool. kind of a cool. We're excited to do that. Like, but yeah, as you're saying, you start to see those beers in stores in Oktoberfest at the beginning of August and mm-hmm. like for us, it would just last year. We just didn't plan ahead quite a while, quite far <laughs> enough advance to be able to do that. Like by the time we wanted to ha- even had time to make an Oktoberfest, it was already, it was already September. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things you learn as you go, right? I mean, you're yeah, talking absolutely. about, you, know, you kind of have to learn, especially mm-hmm. with your beer, your release schedule to be, yeah. it's better if the beer is like sitting in the cooler for a few extra weeks instead mm-hmm. of being bit behind right right what's one piece of advice you would give to young business people maybe they're thinking about starting an entrepreneurial an entrepreneurial venture in west virginia what's one piece of advice you would give them um piece of advice um it's probably one that a lot of people give but go and talk to as many people as you can in in a related field for Mm -hmm. us we're very lucky in that like there were there were breweries here like uh, Big Timber and Greenbrier and Chestnut who were just like open their doors to us and like answered any question we had and, mm. and you know that's great and a lot of small business owners they might not be so lucky in that maybe they're the first person doing something right, right. <laughs> but you know, and you might not have someone you can necessarily go ask but find someone who's just doing something similar and in an area where you're thinking about opening a business and I think typically I, I, every time I talked to somebody, I had a hundred new questions mm-hmm. on top of those, but I was also a little bit more encouraged about mm-hmm. how the business could be successful and could actually work. Yeah. That's great in, advice. In West Virginia. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But other people are always going to be your greatest resource. Yeah, being, a, being in proximity to people that are actually doing it, uh, is, a, is invaluable. A- absolutely. Yep. Aaron, what's one thing you do every day that you think contributes to your success? What's one thing I do? Uh, different, well, one thing I've started to do definitely is because so much of my business takes place over the phone with people ordering beer or just talking to people. Mm-hmm. I've tried at least to set an hour aside a day where I don't have my phone in front of me and I'm doing something 
that I like to do that mm-hmm. is unrelated to the business. Yeah. Just something to clear my head and get away from from it for a second. I think mm-hmm. it offers you a little bit of a little bit of perspective, and it kind of it definitely keeps you from uh, burning yourself out. You yeah, know? that's awesome. Just go jump on a bike and ride on the rail trail for an hour. <laughs> just clear you know. your, clear your mind. Absolutely. What, <laughs> yeah. What's one resource you use in your company that you just can't live without? Uh, a resource in our company that we can't live without. I know we we, we definitely use Google Docs mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a lot. We, there is a specialized piece of brewing software called Ecos um, that lets us control the flow of beer through the building from the ordering of ingredients to the brewing process to packaging to all the way to invoicing. So mm-hmm. that has been I, – I, in the beginning, I was – I'm more of a paper and pencil guy and I was a little bit against this fancy piece of software that costs money every month, but now it's like mm. a lifeline. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, awesome. I think, um, if, if you, if your business has the ability to like buy a piece of software that, that saves you a few hours of work a week, it, it'll definitely be worth the money. <laughs> mm, absolutely. What's one book that you would recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh, one book I'd recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, that's a good that's a good question. When I when I, uh, I I'm an English major by trade, so most of the reading uh, by training from from college. But and I don't read a lot of books on mm-hmm. business. But one thing I definitely do read is even from the beginning is um, when I when we had to draw up a business plan or when I need to do a proposal is I always go and try to find really good examples yeah, yeah. <laughs> and almost follow them uh, to a T. And I know there are a few really good books about um, about uh, drawing up business plans, but it always helped. It, maybe it's just the way that I learn. Mm-hmm. I had to actually see an example in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you're in a family business, right? You're mm-hmm. a co-owner with uh, with your sister and your brother-in-law. Talk, yeah. Talk about leadership in a situation like that. What's what? What are some of the important elements of leadership that really that uh, that you think are essential? That's a really good question. The good thing with us uh, is we're all three very different, and we have our own lanes to some extent. Uh, Mike is brewing the beer. Um, I'm typically selling the beer or um, keeping the tap room moving, and my sister is kind of the brains of the operation and um, keeps the books straight and <laughs> lets us know how we're doing month to month. And um, yeah. So we each kind of have our own lane, and I don't think anyone wants to do the other person's job. Mm. I don't want to brew beer. And I don't think my sister wants to go out and deliver beer. <laughs> so that's really nice. But in terms of leadership, you know, now that we have some employees, it is, we found that it is kind of important to always be presenting a united front. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're multiple owners, you definitely want to sit down and have that conversation uh, between the three of you. And even if you don't a hundred percent agree with the other person, at least make sure that you're presenting, you know, uh, united front before you go and talk to a customer or you go and talk to one of your employees mm-hmm. about you know what what they need because you don't want someone asking two people who are the owners a question and getting different answers sure. you know yeah. that 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 doesn't help that person out and it makes it makes you look a little bit exposed as the as an owner so yeah. what let's look, talk about the flip side of that then okay what are some traits or essential qualities in a follower that you that you think are important uh, here definitely I, I think when you have a there's so many facets to to the to the brewing business i mean day to day from you know 
cleaning lines to kegging to just making sure that the tap room is tidy. And so in, in our employees, we, you know, everybody has a role when they've been hired to, to, to carry out that role, but also because it's kind of a smaller family owned business, we kind of do have an expectation that everybody kind of, uh, is willing to do multiple tasks or, you know, if they have a skill that, <laughs> that we can use, we want to be able to use that skill. And, yeah. you know, so everybody who works here, you know, they, they're responsible for keeping the toilets clean and, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's just how it has to be. Cause we're a small business. We can't afford, you know, a janitor. So, you know, we all have to learn how to mop and clean up and, mm. you know, change kegs and clean lines. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's cool. And I think most of the people who come who w- want to be here, they they love all aspects of the craft beer industry. So mm-hmm. they're they're like they're hungry to help in any way they can. Yeah, you know, that passion goes and, a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Aaron. You know, we've spent uh, you know the, the last half hour or so just talking about your story. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that we missed that you'd like our audience to know about short story brewing? Uh, no about short story brewing. Look for short story brewing in your favorite bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where can people? Where could, do you have like a list of places where people can find it on? Um, do we have a list? I don't have a list, but um, you know, a lot of our, especially in Morgantown, a lot. You know, I, I say follow as many local mm-hmm. restaurants and bars as you can because they're they do they also do a really good job of you know promoting um, you guys promoting promoting yeah. us and um mostly you know it's almost just like a thank you to people like that for supporting us this far and for mm-hmm. really you know people the, the people in the state like they are craft beer experts now <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> you know that's they awesome. have it they, they demand a good product and we try to provide it and um we're just happy to keep doing it. Yeah. In closing, Aaron, how could our listeners learn more about short story brewing and, and get in touch with you guys if they, if they'd like to do that? Um, you can go to shortstorybrewing.com where you can see our, our current updated tap list and learn a little bit about the company. We also have our, our we, we pay a lot of attention to our Instagram account because we just mm-hmm. like to take pictures of what's going on yeah. here. That's great. So I think it's just short story brewing on, on Instagram. It's the best way to, is the best way to see what's going on with us or what events we have coming up. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, and we'll make sure we have links to all that in the show notes section of the podcast, uh, positivelywv.com. Uh, Aaron, it's been an, a real honor to have you on the podcast show today. Uh, I think what, what you're doing there in your hometown of Reevesville, West Virginia, is pretty awesome. I uh, just encourage you to keep it up, man. Thanks, Jim. We really appreciate being on the show. This is great what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by The State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State, just like Aaron wrote and Short Story Brewing in Reevesville, West Virginia. Our hope is that we in some way inspire and motivate our audience by sharing these success stories in West Virginia. If you or someone you know of would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website, PositivelyWV.com. And of course, we appreciate your comments, your encouragement, and sharing these stories on your social media channels as well. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia. 